Well. I still would take the Broncos money line overall. I'm just going to skip the minus one and a half, expecting a lower scoring game. But again, if someone were to bet the Browns, I get it. I think I'm on the Broncos side here, though, because I'm just really worried about Thompson Robinson in this spot. Look at our guy, John Daigle, four for four in bet sparks, nailing it. Nailed it. Uh, welcome back into BetQL Daily. Chris Mack in for Joe O alongside Ed and Aaron. We do talk conference uh, championships in college football for just a moment uh, coming up in the middle of the third and final hour of BetQL Daily. We still got the bulk of the week 13 slate to work our way through as well. And maybe some final thoughts here with John on, well, what we saw last night. In Big D, the Cowboys hanging on to beat the Seahawks 41-35. And, John, I was watching your Twitter as I was watching the game, and I see a couple of spicy little takes on futures. I see at one point, Drink I takes. see an MVP. It was like, do you see what I see? It's Christmas time. We can sing Christmas carols. And John oh. said, I see an MVP in Dallas. Do you see what I see? Dak is down to 375 now. We've lost the opportunity of Dak for MVP. Wild that the number has shrunk that much in so little time since Mm -hmm. we all spotted it about a month ago, how this offense came out of their bye as a pass-happy one. And the schedule has certainly benefited him. There are still some humps to get there, but I believe we all got it at at least 35, 36, uh, 32 to 1, and look at it now. And so these next two weeks are going to be massive. Jalen Hurts, obviously, that huge game uh, in front of the world against Josh Allen overtime, sealing it himself. And so that's the hump that Dak will have to get over. But at least we got the COV. I know COV doesn't pay our mortgages, but we got the best number. And if Dak can top Jalen Hurts and Josh Allen the next two games, that's how we get there. Uh, Brock Purdy is also on watch here. I I feel like I need to add slightly more to my Purdy portfolio because if it does come down to this and Dak beats Hurts uh, uh, in this upcoming week, then you would have to think maybe voters see that the 49ers steamrolled the Cowboys earlier this year, and then Purdy maybe beats Hurts this week, and thus he's the MVP. But right now, I still think it is Dak and Purdy personally. It is funny how when we look at certain markets, like we only look at two people because maybe it's hard for us to think galaxy brain like where actually it could be a three horse race, four horse race, things like that. Yeah. Then you add dimensions to it and then it gets a little too complex to where it sort of gets people to shy away. Easier to have the hashtag narrative when it's just two people, but completely agree with you that Brock Purdy is very much in it as well. He should be. Got a question for you about the Pittsburgh Steelers, because uh, we talked before about, okay, Matt Canada is not there anymore, had a bunch of yards, not a whole lot of points, but they also had other factors as to why the Steelers were successful offensively, involving Pat Fryermuth being healthy, being targeted a good bit. But my question is, how much of that do you think was scheme? How much of that do you think was health? How much of that do you think was the specific opponent that they were going up against where it was advantageous to target tight ends? And now you're going up against an Arizona Cardinals pass defense where they can't do anything right. Anything in this game that stands out to you? That's my issue handicapping this game 
is that I know people wiser than me who have taken the points with the Cardinals. And I don't want to get there, but I'm also not comfortable enough to lay the points with the Steelers because it's the same situation we saw Mm. whenever the Texans had success running the ball against the Bengals and the Cardinals. It was the Bengals and the Cardinals, so of course they had it. (laughs) And then last week they came out in the first quarter, and they tried to do that against the Jaguars, and they got nowhere, just stonewalled. It took them finally backing off over that last 45 minutes and even getting the running backs involved instead through the passing game, which led to Devin Singletary's 41-yard screen in the second quarter. So to me, the analysis is it's the same situation where we're not going to get answers again because it's probably going to be a good day for the Steelers offense. Kenny Pickett, even last week, as you mentioned, Ed, that a lot of nuances added in more play action, more passes over the middle of the field, which as we know are the most efficient passes to have. And Matt Canada never schemed them whatsoever. But last week, Kenny Pickett went 24 of 27 from a clean pocket for over 10 yards per attempt. And here comes the Cardinals defense that actually gets pressure not only at the league's lowest rate, but at a lower rate than the Bengals as well. So I would just imagine Pitt can once again stand in there and dump the ball off. They also should have had a couple more points since Deontay Johnson. Deontay Johnson threw in a a Hall of Fame low light reel. It was incredible. (laughs) But that included a drop touchdown, which also would have got them over 20 points. So I do think the Steelers put up points. Does that mean they cover? I'm still trying to figure that one out. Hmm. Well, going back to CLV, it may not pay our mortgages, John, but uh, we do know Nico Collins has so far this season for you and me. Uh, My mortgage is due today, so where are we looking (laughs) props-wise? For the the Broncos and Texans, it's so interesting because this is far and away Stroud's toughest test since week one against Baltimore when they held him without a passing touchdown. It was his debut, so maybe that matchup doesn't even matter at all. And we have thrown everything. We've thrown the ringer at Stroud, and he's passed all the tests so far between poor offensive line, shuffling offensive line too, uh, injured defense, bad running game, and nothing has seemed to matter so far. But again, this Broncos defense is for real. And it started in week five whenever you see that, yes, 31 points to the Jets, but that was five field goals, a fumble six, and Xavier Gibson returned a punt for a touchdown. The Jets offense, unsurprisingly, didn't do anything. And then we also know that this Broncos defense, besides passing the easy test like the Cowboys have done, and last week getting there uh, by two scores against Dorian Thompson-Robinson and P.J. Walker, they held Josh Allen two to under 200 passing yards with two picks. Patrick Mahomes, the first game when he didn't have the flu, the Chiefs only totaled eight points against them. So this Broncos defense is for real, and it's it's a concern. Uh, I know the number has shrunk a little bit, so it seems that sharp money is coming in on the Texans. And again, it wouldn't surprise me if Stroud passes this test, but I am a little bit worried. I tend to lean towards the under more, too, because if we're going to get pushback, it would have to be involved with Russell Wilson through the air and then Stroud through the air, too. But it seems like one where Devin Singletary and Damian Pierce instead can have a little bit more success against this Broncos defense that's still allowing a bottom three rate of yards for carry to opposing running back. So I actually think we sneak the under in here. Uh, and if you told me to look for a prop, it's not pretty. But we're the Texans seed the most receiving yards is the man who has disappeared this entire year. And that's Jerry Judy. Because from the slot 
and in particular running the seventh highest rate of zone coverage, that's what Judy has had the most success. More, I should say the more success against Cortland Sutton this year, where Sutton has seen 30% of his targets in the red zone, 50% of his targets in the end zone. That's why he keeps soaking up all these receiving touchdowns because that's where he gets his equity at. But I, I think it's a Judy week, which is very scary to say. John Daigle of 4 for 4 and Bet Spurts with us here on BetQL Daily. Let me stick with that game for just a minute, John, because with Tank Dell most likely out, uh, the last time we saw that, it was a big Dalton Schultz game. Um, is, is that is, is Dalton Schultz, especially if you're looking at, for like a DFS play or a prop, is Dalton Schultz a, a smart tight end play this week? I know Aaron is tra- charter member of and president of the Nico Collins fan club, but is, uh, is Schultz the direction here for Stroud this weekend? And I am vice president. Yes, I work underneath <laughs> her. And Nico, Coll- Nico Collins has led the team in targets in back-to-back games. So he is getting back up there. He's also going to be on the boundary where they keep Patrick Sertan. So it is a slightly scary matchup. The thing is, today is a big news day. I, I think it's actually the biggest news day because we haven't seen this many questionable injuries and we don't know which way they're teetering on a frost yet. And that's happening right now. And Dalton Schultz is one of them because he hasn't practiced yet on Wednesday and Thursday. And we saw that Brevin Jordan got all the run at tight end in the fourth quarter last week. And the Broncos are just laying down for opposing tight ends. So I actually think Brevin Jordan is the one because his receiving yards prop, it's not going to get over 10, 11 yards. He's Brevin Jordan. So that's the player I'm actually quietly looking out for if Dalton Schultz is questionable or a DMP again today. And then Tank Dale was limited. He was the kind of limited where I think he was working off to the sideline, wasn't actually participating with the team, but I think he's going to go. But what does that mean? Honestly, in this matchup, especially since he's been banged up, I'm not too sure. So Brevin Jordan, sadly, pathetically, is where I'm looking at, uh, waiting on Dalton Schultz news. Game of the week, 49ers-Eagles. It's interesting yeah. when I analyze this one and look at the data in that, okay, the wide, wide receiver ones, they're phenomenal. And I don't want to just look at them and say, okay, whichever one has the better game wins here. But I'm having a hard time going any other direction. Do you see another prop besides Brandon Ayuk and A.J. Brown that we should be capitalizing on? No, you just took them. That's uh, Brandon Ayuk is the prop of the week for me. It's just so clear that, this Philly secondary, anytime they've been asked to step up to the plate, they've just got run over through the air. Uh, they are struggling at their worst to cover opposing like strong wide receivers right now. And I would imagine Brandon Ayuk benefits from that too. Even three of the last quarterbacks they've faced have scored at least three touchdowns from scrimmage and went over 300 yards. Patrick Mahomes, which we all know I'm still upset about because they should have covered by two scores, uh, also should have gotten there, but he's the outlier instead because of two drop touchdowns. And so it just seems like such a clean spot, Ed, for Brock Purdy in this offense. I'm on the over in this game, although weather permitting, maybe don't even bet it right now. Maybe wait on it, even though I feel like I got a good number at 46 and a half. Um, and then, yeah, Brandon Ayuk is just, the fact that the, the way the Eagles play coverage, seventh highest rate of man coverage, Brandon Ayuk has been one of the best receivers in the entire league against man coverage, including 21 yards per catch and the fourth most yards per route run. Not to mention this Eagles defense is coming off of 93 plays in overtime against the Bills, whereas the 49ers got extended rest. So it's just such a clean spot for the 49ers offense. I don't know how we get there. All right, so Ayuk, your prop of the week. Who's the runner-up? Any other props you like that we haven't touched on yet? Bijan Robinson 
is interesting because his share numbers came down last week, but he still got there with touchdowns. And now we've seen in the two games sandwiched around his bye, they're also using him in the red zone, which is why he's unsurprisingly scoring more touchdowns because instead of Tyler Algier, they're now getting him involved inside that 10 yard line, the most important part of the field. And so given his route participation, his receiving role that hasn't changed whatsoever so far these last two games. I don't think Arthur Smith is pulling the wool out from our eyes any, any, anytime soon. I believe that we can get Bijan Robinson there for over his combined rushing and receiving yards. Uh, he's going to be featured. I do know that Tyler Algier and Cordero Patterson, I understand they were both involved last week, all got there over five yards per carry, which I would imagine the Lions do too because the Saints are just cluster injured on both sides of the ball. That's a fun alt line, by the way. Uh, just, just ignore the four and go all the way up to seven and a half because the Lions probably put that one away. But uh, I think Bichon Robinson is going to be heavily featured here. And unless it's a blowout situation, and maybe it is, that's when Cordero Patterson and Algier would be involved. But I think Algier gets there and combined rushing and receiving yards. John Daigle, four for four and bet spurts with us on BetQL Daily. Let me circle back around to what we saw last night for just a moment because we talked MVP. Let's talk defensive player of the year. Um, yeah, that was not the kind of performance you want, Mr. Pick Six, mm. if you're looking to hang on in the defensive player of the year race. But on the other hand, we see Micah Parsons now nipping at Miles Garrett's heels, plus 170 to Garrett's plus 150 in the defensive player of the year race. How are you handicapping that? Is there any value left in that market? Lots of shakeout from that Miles Garrett injury because, yes, it is the defensive player of the year on the line, and Miles Garrett now banged up. Plus, like, okay, so short term, I'm also looking at the Rams line. Because Matthew Stafford has been an entirely different quarterback from a clean pocket. They've been a top five offense and rushing EPA per play in games that Kyron Williams has played. And so if we don't think Jordan Elliott, Denzel Ward, Miles Garrett are out there, this is not the same defense that scares us whatsoever. Matthew Stafford, the Rams probably put them away with ease because although Joe Flacco's a gunslinger, maybe he gives them a little bit of hope since no one else has behind Deshaun Watson. He's still working with the backup offensive tackles too. So not an ideal situation whatsoever. I would love to get the Rams there if we're missing Miles Garrett. Otherwise, we know Matthew Stafford has struggled against pressure mightily this year. But long-term for futures market, yeah, Deron Bland, we were hoping he was more Darrell Revis. Uh, but instead it looks like he's Marcus Peters and that he's an opportunist and that's mm -hmm. okay. Like it's great. You got that guy on day three, good for your scouting department, but, uh, and being an opportunist, that means you also see big plays and DK Metcalf just look, made him look like a little boy last night, which is not good <laughs> heading to the playoffs. So, uh, I, I do think, yes, if Miles Garrett sits, Michael Parsons is probably the one we're looking at. But again, another another pick like that, because it was still an interception. Deron Bland ran DK's route for him on that one interception he had. Um, add a couple more on those in this upcoming schedule against, again, the Bills and the Eagles. Then you're looking at Bland, too. So maybe even sp sprinkle a little bit on Bland as well. Might jump back into that thing. Great stuff, John. We appreciate the time as always. Good luck this weekend. We appreciate the insight. John Daigle of BetSparts. I know Roadmaker's injured, but I'm betting Florida State, by the way. Add that in. Ooh, wow. Tasty. I like it. Mic drop. A little conference championship action on the way out the door. Thanks again, John. We will talk those conference championship games, our favorite plays coming up in the middle of the next hour. 
Are the Dolphins just going to absolutely have their way with the Commanders? And what about that Broncos-Texans game? We dive into both next right here on BetQL Daily. One hour from now, the two-minute drill. We rip through our favorite college football plays of the weekend as well as our NFL pass receiving and rushing leaders, our favorite money line dogs, and some of our favorite props as well. Lightning bets before we wrap things up and top of the next hour. So 40 minutes from now, we take a look at those big primetime games. Chiefs backers on Sunday night and Bengals Jags on Monday night. Chris Mack in for Joe Ostrowski. Thanks for joining us live coast to coast on the BetQL network here on BetQL Daily with my friends Ed Egros and Aaron Hawksworth. We've got you covered as we continue to roll through week 13 of the NFL slate. Just got done talking to John Daigle. Of course, you know that'll be a part of the podcast later, which you can get inside your free Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y. We'll get Daigle posted in just a little bit. But he had some interesting takes on that Broncos-Texans game, which we'll get to momentarily, but Dolphins, Commanders, oi, nine and a half Miami is laying. Washington, big home dogs, total 49 and a half. We're talking about one of the worst pass defenses in the league against Mike McDaniel, Tua Tungavailoa, and Tyreek Hill. Ed, nine and a half is a big fat number, but... I don't think it's big enough. <sighs> I'm in this sort of conflict where my model is actually telling me to back Washington here, that it's just too big of a number. At the same time, though, Chris, I'm with you. Like, intuitively, this should be fairly easy to cover just because this offense is sensational. Like, what they did at the start of the year and in spurts in the middle of the year against weaker defenses, we remember that. And I think in terms of association, we figure, okay, if the Dolphins could, could do that against weak competition, certainly they can hang a bunch of points against Washington, right? Certainly Sam Howell has no way of keeping up in a situation like this, right? Well, I have some questions about this Dolphins offense in the here and the now. And I get Tyreek Hill and Raheem Mostert they return to practice, and they're coming off of this quote-unquote mini-buy uh, although, is it really a mini buy if you played on Friday instead of Thursday? Like, do we still call that a mini buy? Because it's like two extra days. Kind Close. of sort of. Yeah. Like, yeah. okay. All right. A, a mini, half, mini half, buy. Let, let's, let's half go. of a mini buy. Yeah. 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 Half of a mini buy. I, I like that. You know, it rolls off the tongue. Um, but my thing, though, is like, I think for this Dolphins offense to be truly dynamic and truly reaching its fullest potential, Devon Achan needs to be out there. And one of the things that we've noticed is that, yeah, phenomenal and outside runs, perhaps the best to do it right now. But the problem is, like, with that knee issue, the Dolphins have been a good bit more cautious than maybe they would be in other situations. And this is not a game where the Dolphins absolutely positively have to beat Washington. There are no tiebreakers involved or anything like that. The division's largely in hand. Uh, perhaps they can still get that one seed, which is oh so important. But I look at this and go, I'm not sure if they're going to roll out everybody they need to for this offense to reach its utmost potential. And when you look at what the Dolphins have done offensively since week seven, which does include that Eagles game, they're 11th at completion percentage over expected. They're outside the top 10 in passer rating. They're 10th in yards per attempt at 7.2. And while I do love this Dolphins off uh, defense, because it is improving, it is evolving, all that good stuff, and Sam Howell just takes way too many gosh darn sacks, 
I think the play is the under 49 and a half. I do wonder if the market ultimately makes those corrections to say, yeah, the Dolphins offense is good, but it's not what it was at the start of the year. And I think this might be the last chance for us to capitalize on this sort of market lag, so to speak. So in terms of a side, I don't have a play, but I do think the under could cash here, Aaron. Hmm. Yeah, I I just worry about this commander's defense. It's so bad. I mean, the pass protection is horrendous. Commanders are so bad at home. Miami has a hard time beating good teams with winning records, but the commanders, I mean, they're just awful right now. I mean, they're looking to rebuild. Uh, I think they're already looking ahead as we speak to that. So I just think this is going to be a <laughs> lopsided affair. Tyreek, oh my gosh, his receiving yards prop. 97 and a half that's insane but the dude's gone over that like six or seven times this season when he's gone under it's against much better competition and i think in this situation with the commander's defense playing the way it is he's gonna have a day so i I, not only do i like the dolphin side but i also like tyreek over 97 and a half eight wins for the dolphins all of them have come against teams with losing records only three of them have been one-score victories. Five of them, they've been able to to run up the margin. Um, the best case, obviously, week three against the Broncos, who <laughs> are traveling to Houston. Denver getting three on the road. The Broncos are putting something together. The defense has been a big part of that, but Russell Wilson is starting to cook, question mark, I think. Um, 47 and a half, the total on this one. I lean Houston on this one. I think they cover the three, but I don't know if that – I said I think they cover the three. That's just a, a preliminary lean here. Like, as as John Daigle pointed out, there are some injury question marks that are big for Houston and the weapons that C.J. Stroud has at his disposal. I'm a believer in Stroud, Ed, but if he's without some of these weapons, if there is no Tank Dell, it sounds like he'll play now, but if there is no Dalton Schultz um, – Are they going to be able to run against the Broncos? I don't want to put too much of this on C.J. Stroud's shoulders. I wouldn't either, and I completely have the same vibe when it comes to hesitantly backing the Texans here. And it's not Mm -hmm. necessarily because I'm a Denver believer, but as I mentioned at the start of the week, I have Broncos phobia right now because something is going on with them where they are playing really, really well, getting takeaways, all of those things, yet you do a deep dive in the numbers and you go, it's still not that impressive. Somehow they're finding ways to win ballgames when they couldn't at the start of the year and perhaps getting demolished, things like that. But for some reason, Denver is staying in this stuff. And at the same time, like I'm a believer in C.J. Stroud. I'm a believer that he can find a target and that target can go over 100 receiving yards. Who it is, I'm not exactly sure. And oftentimes, I think with betting a game like this, maybe you just have to guess a little bit and figure out where that alt receiving yard number can come from. And that's probably the bigger play for me. But as far as a side is concerned, I think this is something where Russell Wilson could very well keep up. And one of the reasons is, like, even if Houston is off to this big lead, Russell Wilson is third among qualified quarterbacks in passer rating on throws beyond 10 air yards. Now, he doesn't do it all that often, but when you've got a hot shot receiver like Cortland Sutton, you can get those intermediate and deep throws to work, especially in the red zone. So even though the Broncos offense is probably more designed for the short game, they can do the intermediate game and the deep game. 
So the Broncos can certainly keep up. This can be a close, exciting game. I might lean the over here if for no other reason I trust Houston's offense and Denver might find ways to keep up. And yeah, it is a larger number at 47 and a half, but this is an indoor game. So I wouldn't be surprised if this turns into a track meet, Aaron. Yeah, so I love the Texans, as you guys know, but I don't think this is the spot. I like the points with the Broncos, and I might even consider Broncos' money line here. They are mm. onto something. They're getting a lot of turnovers. I think they've turned things around. I could also see this being like a one-point game or even, wait for it, Will there be overtime? Yes, at 13 to 1. Couldn't you see this wow. being the game that might go to overtime? That's what a shot. 13. That is. That is that is a swing from the heels going for the <laughs> at, a, at, a, at what looks like a big meatball down the middle that of the plate. Still but in it, the it, air. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> it, I, I like Cortland Sutton props in this game too. Uh, a Texas kid coming back home to play in Houston. Um, he is really sh balled out as of late. I mean, w w I think touchdowns in, I want to say five of the last six games. Um, so I, I like Cortland Sutton props, maybe an anytime TD for Cortland Sutton. I think that's an opportunity. And you make a good point about the over as well, Ed. I, I think this 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 might end up being sneakily one of the more entertaining games of the week, Denver and Houston. Yeah. So um, what will not be, I can almost guarantee one of the more entertaining games of the week, the Carolina Panthers are visiting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Again, contractually, we are obligated to speak about this game. Uh, <laughs> Panthers getting five and a half at Tampa. The Buccaneers, inconsistent is the word. Um, this is... Huh, the NFC South, Ed, I don't – five and a half is not enough in my opinion. Um, I, I don't know if there's the new coach bounce here maybe for the Panthers, but I don't, I don't think – I don't like any sides, totals. Like, I, 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 I just don't <laughs> like this game, period. Like, there's nothing about this game that's attractive to me. Unfortunately, this isn't college where the NCAA can vacate it and then we never actually see what occurs or some sort of vacating process where we have to pretend it never happened. Unfortunately, right. that can occur. There will be records of this. There will be videotapes somewhere out there saying, yes, the Panthers and Buccaneers played a December football game and maybe there were fans in attendance. I don't know. <laughs> I do have one bet, though. And I think I can convince you to take this one because you're absolutely right. Like, what are we supposed to think of a potential head coach bump? I don't know. I mean, it looked pretty dysfunctional to begin with. So if Frank Reich truly is his quarterback whisperer, he's not there anymore. Is suddenly this offense going to click? Well, it doesn't make Bryce Young any taller to look over his offensive line. It doesn't make the wide receivers any healthier and more agile. Like all those intrinsic things don't change just because Reich is gone. I also think, too, that this Panthers defense, it's also going to struggle a great deal. So that's also a problem. I think it's an overlooked problem as well. We're focused so much on the Panthers' offensive woes. I think the defense is also struggling a good bit, in part because of injuries and just mismanagement and things like that. I wonder if this is a good bounce-back spot for Tampa Bay's offense to shine. Because I do think that Baker Mayfield can play well under pressure. He can play well in terms of those intermediate and deep balls to Mike Evans. And I think the over team total 20 and a half is a really good look. Hmm. 
well, we may be contractually obligated to talk about this game, but that doesn't mean we have to bet it. For me, I'm just hoping for maybe some type of boost in a one-game situation with the Panthers and maybe little Panthers money line at plus 205. But honestly, I'm staying away from this game. I want nothing to do with it. That's that's not Is a it terrible possible? theory, though. I mean, because Tampa's been a disaster. To, uh, yeah, it has been. I wonder if, like, if this number moves to six and maybe there's a teaser opportunity or if it gets a six and yeah. a half or something like that maybe there's yeah. a teaser opportunity because these teams like know each other fairly well like tampa mm-hmm. bay should win the game right like they're in contention for the division but maybe that's the play is just to wait a little bit and see if uh the number is something that's a little bit more attractive to pair with something else yeah the bucks have just <laughs> been unreliable as well so for me i'm i'm taking a flyer on panthers to create some chaos in a one game situation or I, i'm out on it yeah they've lost six out of their last seven and they're still a one game back in the division ah oh, the oh, nfc south yeah <laughs> it's just a disaster um we will get into those college conference championship games like i said a little less than an hour from now primetime games at the top of the hour as well. And Aaron, we, we have to talk about, you, you had an issue at home last night. And I'm so glad you, you brought this up. You, <laughs> you're stashing the Christmas presents for your daughter in that room where you work, in your office. And she just let herself in and she she found the stash. Now what do you do? Yeah. Yeah, I was upstairs in the kitchen. All of a sudden, she comes up with a box, unopened box of toys. And I'm like, oh, no, she found the stash. Way to go. Only two years old. I didn't think we'd be, you know, I underestimated her. So that's my bad, really. I I should have had those wrapped and hidden in a closet that she could not open the door to. I really didn't think that she would get in here. She, you know, we we as humans want what we can't have there's a lot Uh of things i don't want her touching in here my microphone my laptop little little knickknacks and things so i try to keep this door shut and that's why i thought this was safe to keep the presents in here but uh you know she found it she's really happy though so i guess that's all that matters she got a christmas (laughs) present early she got an early (laughs) present yeah there's nothing wrong with that i'll never i'll never forget the the time i found the stash under my parents bed they had a couple things hidden under there and i saw a present i can't remember what it was i think it was like a nintendo game or something and i was super excited because i thought i was gonna get it and then i didn't get it because they had bought it for like my cousin and i was like oh that's the worst oh and then no. you're jealous of the cousin you're like i'm yeah. the son why is my cousin getting better presents than me this is crap right why did he get the nintendo game i wanted the nintendo right. game yeah well that explains the issues between you've never me let and the it fam, go i guess i haven't let it go <laughs> no. i still resent no. i still resent my poor cousin brent uh shout out That's Woodlawn why Hive. Uh, uh, told me some bad <laughs> news about santa so i'm with you Coming up next, Miles Garrett, and he's facing Aaron Donald in the Rams. Do we focus on defense in that one? And the game of the week, Niners-Eagles. Dive into both of them next, right here on BetQL Daily. We'll be right back with BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. 
Aaron's daughter found the present stash. We've got gifts for you, too. Oh, look at that segue. Chris Mack in for Joe O alongside Ed and Aaron today here on L Daily. Look at you. Uh, including our two-minute drill, which is uh, about 40 minutes away. Lightning bets before we wrap things up. I got one that I'm all I see what you did there. The <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah, it's that De Niro gif where he's just pointing at Billy Crystal. Uh, ah, yeah, yeah, I see yeah, what yeah, you yeah. did there. Uh, <laughs> our favorite college football plays of the weekend as well. We got to talk primetime games coming up in about 20 minutes. Chiefs, Packers, Bengals, Jags. We'll get to the Browns and Rams uh, in just a couple of minutes uh, if we have time. But there's a lot to unpack about what is the best game of the week. Feels like every week Philly is involved in the best game of the week. They are again this week. NFC Championship game rematch. 10-1 and Eagles hosting the 8-3 and San Francisco 49ers. And they are home dogs, the Philadelphia Eagles. Niners laying three as they come east. They've won three in a row. Brock Purdy is healthy this time around. And the Eagles, everything just seems to break their way, right? Broke their way last week in the overtime win against the Bills. Everything goes their way just when they needed to. Does the luck run out? Has it been luck? Or is this the way Philly is built to win ball games? Ed, I don't know. But you're talking about one of the best third down and fourth down offenses in the league, if not the best when we talk fourth downs, definitely, with the tush push. Um, and you're talking mm-hmm. about one of the least third down Least efficient, I'm sorry, I should say, defenses on third down. The Niners have been sneaky, shaky on third down. That's one of those key components to this one that I have an eye out for. It is interesting when you look at, say, some of the volatile offensive statistics, which can be fourth down conversion right now with the Eagles and the tush push. Like, it's become unstoppable to the point where maybe it's the most dominant play in all of professional sports at this rate. In which case, okay, normally something that is volatile is quite consistent, and that's fine. Third down numbers can also be volatile in that, okay, you're sort of limiting things to one down in terms of your glimpse versus early down numbers, first and second, where you don't necessarily get forced into having to move the sticks and you have a much larger sample size, those kinds of things. Definitely when you're evaluating an overall offense, I think early down rate can be a little bit more predictive of what to expect going forward. And I think that's one of the reasons why if I'm not taking the Niners on the side I am taking them to go over their team total of 24 and a half. And I think that's probably a better look than say the side here in large part, because, and this is something that John Daigle discussed earlier in the show. What is it about this Eagles secondary and coverage that leads you to believe that they can cover everybody when everyone is healthy for the 49ers, you're talking about Brandon. Ayuk. You're talking about Debo Samuel. You're talking about George Kittle. You're talking about a bunch of other guys who don't get a whole lot of recognition, but some able somehow they're able to come through in the clutch because Brock Purdy is a fairly darn good quarterback. So all of this depth that they have at receiver and tight end, I think matters a great deal here when handicapping this game that <laughs> this Eagles secondary, how are you supposed to trust them at this rate? Yeah, they were great last year. But coverages can be volatile from one season to the next. And we're seeing that in Philadelphia. There's not a whole lot that I think Philadelphia can do scheme-wise to contain Brock Purdy. Can't play man. Purdy has the second highest passer rating against such setups. Can't play zone. 
Purdy has the highest passer rating against such coverages. Can't assume one decision with play action because the looks are oh so good. Like Christian McCaffrey, great after contact. And the passing game is great after play action. So whatever the Eagles will try and do, the 49ers have an answer for it. I love how this offense has come together, and I think that's what's going to shine in this ballgame, Aaron. Yeah, when the Niners have their star players, they don't tend to lose games, you know, and that does worry me. But with the Eagles at home, I think they're going to squeak out another win. And I think Jalen Hurts is better than Brock Purdy, at least in this matchup. Give me one more win with the Eagles. It's a plus money banger. Plus 136 <laughs> equals money line. Plus money banger. You know what else is a plus money banger? If we're talking number one seed and you believe in the Niners to pull this off in Philly, that is completely wide open all over again if the Niners can beat the Eagles this weekend. They're 4-1 to one right now for the number one seed. They're the only team that really, mm. you know, Cowboys 13-1. to one, Lions back there at 20 to 1. Now, both of those teams would be brought back into the discussion as well, especially Dallas now that they've won this week. And uh, the Eagles, were they to lose, the number one seed conversation, Ed, is wide open. It sounds like you're leaning Niners. So I got to ask, are you also thinking about a future on Niners for the number one seed at four to one? Problem, though, is the Cowboys are still lurking. And it's funny, this seems mm -hmm. to be like a theme. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it does seem like when we're talking about futures that we kind of want to isolate it to one of two possibilities. But the truth is, it's not late enough in the season to where we can do that. There is a third, maybe even a fourth candidate in some of these futures markets that you have to consider. Maybe not even to place a bet on. But just to think that they can play the role of spoiler. And you still have to come right. up with a probability to figure out if that spoiling can happen. And to me, the Cowboys are still very much in the mix to get that one seed. Look, I know it was a tough game against the Seahawks, but they still won it. And every team's going to have tough games in some way, shape, or form. Like, we're talking about other defenses that may look vulnerable at times. It is entirely possible, as much as we might love this 49ers defense, for instance, that Jalen Hurts can do some good things. Like, we love the Hurts to Brown connection. We love what this rushing game can do in some key spots with Swift. So it's possible this could be a higher-scoring affair. I can totally see that happening. It's also possible that the Ravens defense will have to be in some games where they don't look oh so effective. So sometimes it just happens with defenses where they're just due for bad contests and some quarterbacks are due for bad games as well. But if you're still winning them at some point, you have to respect that. And I think with the Cowboys yeah. and a game that was mighty close against, I think a good team in Seattle, by the way, the Eagles do have to play the Seahawks on the road so that might be a scrappier game than some might believe this is something where the eagles yeah they've got some easier games but against the cowboys when they're rested on sunday night on the road and then on the road in seattle there are more than a couple of places where the eagles can trip up aaron i'm looking at rushing props right now i see jalen hurts 43 and a half i see debo 11 and a half McCaffrey, 71 and a half. Where are you looking at props for this hmm. one? God, I'm trying to decide because this is like 
obviously such a it's like an nfc championship potential preview game with two mm -hmm. mvp candidates i'm like we've got to go get some props in this one i know ed you and john daigle were talking about Ayuk. um i haven't really decided on any props yet i would definitely take Ayuk here in large part because when you look at this eagles defense uh, Pursumer Sports, they have a plus four and a half percent pass rate over expected, which means that they're going to try and stop the run here. They're going to try and contain mm -hmm. Christian McCaffrey and say, okay, you need to have Brock Purdy beat us. It's not going to be because of CMC. And in some ways that makes sense, right? Like if you were to power rank overall talent, you might say Christian McCaffrey is number one. And that's fine because his pass catching is also really good. So if this is all about Brock Purdy having to beat the Eagles, well, doesn't that mean Brandon Ayuk has to be the guy? Like, doesn't he have to shine as wide receiver one? And his number at 59 and a half receiving yards at minus 115, I love the over in that spot. Because when Debo Samuel is healthy, that probably yeah. helps Ayuk more than it does Debo. And perhaps it's just a simplistic view of things. But I do feel like that the Purdy to IU connection, especially over the middle, that's how the Niners probably win this game. Man, the, the Eagles have just been absolutely shredded on the ground the last couple of weeks, too. Gave up 173 to the Bills, 168 to the Chiefs. I think that makes the McCaffrey prop a little bit more interesting. Like you make a great point. They're going to sell out to try and stop the run, Ed, but will they actually stop Maybe the run? Maybe they can't. Yeah, Maybe exactly. they just can't. Yeah. Gosh. So and that's the problem. Is that like how many you to put in the box there? Yeah. Right. 43 and a half for Jalen Hurts rushing just seems so high. It does. Some of these props are if for this game are tough to figure out. His passing 241 and a half. I mean, I could almost see a situation where maybe the Eagles get out gained, but they still win the game in just ugly fashion. Cause I would even think under 241 and a half for Jalen Hurts. Yeah, because the cause that's the way they win games this year. Fourth down yeah. 49 times. That's how he gets to the prop. One yard at a time yeah. on fourth down. 49 for 49 on fourth down conversion attempts. That's how the Eagles do it. Yeah. 65 on the ground against Buffalo, 29 against Kansas, 36 against Dallas in the last three weeks for Jalen Hurts. This is gonna be this is going to be the best game of the week. Um, I, I hope it lives up to the hype. At the very least, we know the Niners, uh, fingers crossed, knock on wood, will have their quarterback for this one. And having a quarterback is important, as we saw in the NFC Championship game. Uh, real quick, let's touch on Browns-Rams for just a minute because Miles Garrett and Denzel Ward still haven't practiced yet this week. Uh, the Browns are getting three and a half on the road at SoFi. I don't, this, is, this is a weird spot for me, Ed, because... Matt Stafford is just, it feels like we're, we're just watching him play out the string, but with no Garrett, no mm -hmm. Ward, maybe there's some opportunity here. There, there certainly can be. And I certainly understand that one. And I think if you are going to back Stafford in some way, maybe it's all about just taking the over in this game. And I get like on the other side, like that's a very dangerous proposition. But when you look at what the Rams did in that last game, it was all about the outside runs with Kyron Williams, right? Like I think that does alleviate a little bit of the pressure as far as the passing attack, because they really only go to two guys. That's really all they try and do. And it is still effective. And without Denzel Ward, it can be because there probably is a mismatch with one of your two key receivers. Yet at the same time, I also think that, look, if the Browns are all about just not making mistakes with whomever is at quarterback, 
then all right, fine. They find enough field goals to make this interesting, but then this goes over the total. Rams minus three and a half. I like it. I think this is a different Rams team with Kyron Williams involved in the Miles Garrett thing. I need more information. I think he might be more banged yeah. up than we think. That, that's a good so. point. If Garrett can go, though, Browns is an ugly dog. Yeah, three exactly. And a half. Uh, I got a number I absolutely love in Chiefs Packers. We'll talk Sunday night football in the other yeah. primetime game as well. Coming up next right here on BetQL Daily.